Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters. I'm joined by Carl. Hello. And Jess. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about the fact that integration is very hard, the Starship Troopers discourse, and stop funding people who hate you. Which, which all seems like good advice, to be honest. But there we are. Um, I have some announcements to make. First and foremost, uh, Calvin Robinson, he's away this Thursday, presumably curing the blind or whatever. So um, the Common Sense Crusade won't be on this Thursday, but he'll be back the Thursday after. So there we are. And one more announcement to make, which is that this one, we get it on screen, the premium hangout we'll be doing. It's another one of um, Carl Torture's Callum sessions. This is number eight in the series. of. If it helps, this is going to be particularly depressing as well. Oh, that helps a bunch. Because this, this is going to be about the future of war, which uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to. Yeah, so Cyberpunk Dystopia. If you haven't heard of it, um, it's basically just him being like, the world is terrible. Yeah, it's it's going to get worse. But Larry and Jihad now, that's all we need. Yeah, so it's on um, black pilling at its best. So do come and experience it firsthand, live, and that'll be Wednesday, 3 p.m. UK time. So come join that. Otherwise, let's uh, get into the news, shall we? Right, boys and gal. Not used to saying that. Anyway, um, I have some news. It turns out integration is very, very hard. Now, everyone thought that you could import a billion, billion foreigners and they would just become English because the magic soil or the fun songs or the Beatles or something. I mean, what was the rationale? For some reason, they'd be deeply bought into the history of Britain. Yeah. Um, Turns out, no. No, it's really quite difficult. And this, uh, I think, got revealed in a few things that happened over the weekend. Now, I think we have been aware for quite a while about how difficult this can be. But these examples, I think, make it perfectly frank. Now, there was a protest in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, these people in Charlotte, they're they're very, very um, active in their protests because they turned up, and as you can see, eight of them got arrested. Two guns were seized after the protests uh, turned violent. I like, uh, I like how non-specific this reporting is. Hmm. It's just a civil rights protest over a cultural festival, bro. 200 individuals taking part in a civil rights protest over a cultural festival. You are right. That does tell me everything I need to know. I could, I could move on now. I've, yeah, I, I've been I informed. Literally, I literally know nothing about the people, what they were protesting, or what was happening. That they were protesting. Yeah, as you can see here, there are some cops. That's about it. That's all you need to know. The people of Charlotte have risen up to do something. Uh, turns out, no. The, the details in here are that it was uh, them protesting against a celebration of Operation Fenkel. What's that? I'm sure every American knows Operation Fenkel. I'm people of Charlotte certainly know. I've never heard of it. Um, well, it was to do with this. So, oh no, something's broken. There we are. Um, so as you can see, some other residents of Charlotte had turned oh. up with their Eritrean flags because the residents of Charlotte are deeply tied with Eritrea and were celebrating Operation Fenkel. And the other people outside were protesting the celebration of Operation Fenkel. Is this where the CIA overthrew the Eritrean government or something? Nope. There, there are zero Americans involved in Operation Fenkel. The hell is, what the hell is their problem? It's also the 34th anniversary, which I'm sure the people of Charlotte, for every in the last 34 years, they've been celebrating. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, I didn't know what the hell it was, but then again, I'm not an American, so why would I? <laughs> so as you can see here, <laughs> it's the Second Battle of Masawa. Oh, okay. Which, of course, just like Thanksgiving every year, <laughs> people sit and share Eritrean food, if there is any, and uh, talk about Operation Fenkel. Right. So this is the Communist Party of Eritrea attacking Ethiopia. So this was. Um, a battle that began, as Wikipedia tells us, so all Americans are lulled to sleep with this story, when the Erpel forces initiated their offensive on the Shibab, and they took Mesawa. 
the hell am I dealing with? I love these American words. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Southern words. I think if you say them in a Southern accent, maybe they'll, they'll be a bit better. Um, the response was that the Ethiopian government responded by using napalm and cluster bombs against the city of Masawa. And, um, and then, who cares? African war, okay. <laughs> Give us a toss, in case you're wondering what this is about. It's the Ethi uh, Eritrean War of Independence, where they fought against the Ethiopian Empire, and then the Ethiopian People's Republic. Just as American as, I, I don't know, baseball? Apple pie. That's English. John Wayne. That's definitely American. <laughs> but anyway. Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, I don't know which American doesn't celebrate the independence war from the 60s to the 90s. I mean, they were deeply involved. I mean, they were even not even funding either side. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, usually... The Finally, we found a war that America wasn't interested in. Yeah. But apparently this one, the Americans are just like... Eh, eh, eh. Why would you? <laughs> Gives a toss. Yeah. As you can see, um, what's kind of funny about this war, for people who don't know, is that it started out with the uh, Eritreans not being communist, then they became communist. Right. And as you can see, the Ethiopians started out as an empire and then became communist by the end of it. <laughs> African war. Nobody cares. Who could give a crap? Well, the people of Charlotte, it turns out. And in case you're wondering, eh, well, there is more eh to be had because in the Netherlands, they also were twinned with Charlotte. Oh, yes. Particularly the Hague. They're twinned with Charlotte. Because they decided to have a party, a rather violent one, about this battle, which the people of Hague are also deeply involved in, I'm sure. Some images for people listening, and it, it's just rioting. Mostly peaceful. Yeah. Most, mostly peaceful Africans rioting in the night. Yep. <laughs> Peter Bogosian DM'd me this and was like, what the hell's going on? I was like, well, actually, Africans rioting in European cities is kind of normal these days. You're right. I know. I wasn't even being so facetious. I'm surprised he was surprised, to be honest. He's, he's from Portland. But there we are. He doesn't um, understand the long tradition of the South. <laughs> of, of Southerners and Eritrean. Yeah. He, yeah he's, he's a Northerner. He doesn't get it. Well, maybe he could move over to Canada because the Canadians have also had... Oh, um, yeah. Some celebrations, of course. They're very deeply tied to the 34th anniversary of the Operation Finkel. Why? What are you talking about? And, and this, I think, is just a great example. It's one of many that you've picked. It's just proof of the magic soil working, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, Canadians, Americans, and the Dutch have all become one about Operation Finkel. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Who cares? What? <laughs> it's over. I mean, like, you know, what, what's the claim of the Ethiopians? Let's hear their side. <laughs> oh, I don't want to hear the Northerners' perspective on Operation Fenkel. I want to hear the Southerners' Operation Fenkel position. You can see here, they actually had to celebrate. This is the Eritrean Canadian page. Yep. Um, they're celebrating that this was safe. They didn't do the, the Dutch traditional yeah. Operation Fenkel celebrations of burning their own town down. Uh, no, instead, they just did some dancing. I mean, we know that these people are just colonizers, right? Yeah. They're literally colonizers. But the point being, I just... What, what are you meant to get out of this? I mean, are these people integrating in any respect? No, of course not. They're setting up an Eritrean colony in Canada, in the Netherlands, in America. They're literally setting fire to the bloody place. I mean, this is probably, you could say... Peacefully. One of the most perfect examples of integration failing. On, on the idea that the magic soil will just make them Dutch, Canadian, or... And there's been no attempt at integration. That's the problem. 
No, I mean, what do you even do when, when you've got a proper community? It's not you surrounded by Canadians. It's a community of guys who are not Canadian, not interacting with Canadians, celebrating Operation Fenkel. In case you're wondering, that Dutch situation, that's the anti-Fenkel people fighting the Fenkel people. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah. Fenkel law. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I just This may be a perfect example of just it failing, if nothing else. But I have a far graver matter to come to you two with. Something I think you'll have more of an opinion on, because it matters closer to home. Smelly food. This is the true curse of Operation Fenkel going wrong. <laughs> this, this isn't actually involved here at trans, to be fair. This is a post that went massively viral in the UK every weekend for a, a very funny reason. As you can see, Meg. Now, Meg is a doctor and um, Indian fan. Loves cricket. Okay, yeah. Presumably not out rioting in Leicester. India boo. But um, discovered on one of her days, she was sent this image. And it's, a, it's an image of a library. And the library has a food and drink policy. Hot and cold drinks are allowed in the library. Please do not bring any food into the library space. Especially not samosas, pakoras, and filled chiapatis, as they are very smelly. <laughs> I don't know what those things are. I know what a samosa is. Yeah. I know what a samosa is. I don't know the other two as so well. So the issue is that some Indian people were eating pungent Indian food, and it was inconsiderate and impolite for the other, mem- other people using the library. This was an NHS library. Tell me how racist this was. Yeah. She, she responds, found this in an NHS hospital library. Uh, what was the need for the last sentence? Because that was the thing that was causing the smell. Yep. I, I would have thought that was clear. <laughs> <laughs> Just, <laughs> especially mentioning Indian food. Now, the thing about this... The- oh, yeah, Indian food famous for not being... <laughs> I mean- <laughs> for, being- <laughs> for being very bland. Yeah. Um, who would never notice it? No one's ever yeah. passed an Indian and gone, well, nothing, because they wouldn't smell it. It's- yeah. It hasn't happened. Instead, you smell it and you-, and you either like it or don't. But the thing I found especially funny about this is, of course... You can feel the despair of the person who's written it. That tells a story. This is not, he's just had enough of someone eating lots of different types of food. This is, he's spoken to someone probably twice, and they've still not got the bloody message. Yeah. So he's just been like, the food you eat, <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> and that's, that's my guess. I just love that the you know, white lib Karen is just like, oh my God, you mentioned Indian food. Oh my God, that makes me feel like I'm being a racist, just being reading the thing. I don't know. I think Meg might be an Indian herself, but it's, it's hard to tell. She's in the distance. Yeah, so who knows? We'll have to find out from someone Maybe else. she is, but like... But then there's also some uh, allegations about the person who wrote this as well might be being Indian. But let's, let's go and check out the responses. <laughs> <laughs> I see. moved to England to get away from your smelly Indian food. I'm not joking. A lot of people do actually think an Indian wrote that. <laughs> I mean, you may have noticed. I mean, we know what a samosa is. Yeah, I don't know what a pakoras or chapatis is. Like, we're English. So yeah, maybe there's some specific cultural knowledge on display here. The thing is, like, we're English. There's a lot of Indian food. We eat a fair bit of it. Um, we probably would have just said curry. <laughs> might have done, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, let's check out the responses, because as you can see, that, that Jesus Christ, it blew up. Just a polite thing about smelly food being smelly. And the vast majority, in case you're wondering, are just being like, well, it smells. So <laughs> it's, what, what do you want? But certain people didn't seem to get that. Uh, this chap responded that they aren't smelly. Yeah, I bet you think that Mr. Hussein. Um, we only know his name's Hussein because of the at. I can't read Sanskrit or... Yeah. Is, that, is that Bangladeshi? I mean, look they at... They have the, their own alphabet. Look at, look at this weird uh, profile. <laughs> just like... <laughs> like the, the, the gay and the trans flags, handshaking. Like, what are we... Gaza, Bangladesh, watermelon. I don't... I don't know what's going on here. Followed by Owen Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
not for minors. Yeah, I bet. So it turns out some people, this may be the case, can't smell the food. It's not, not physically possible to be done. So there we are. That might be the problem. I mean, maybe you're uh, not used to being able to smell certain foods. That, that's quite a thing. Um, some people said this is clearly racism. So Dr. Shadeep Bansal. Oh, really? Is that the case, uh, Mr. Sandeep? Yeah. Everyday racism and microaggressions towards foreign staff. Yeah. That was the staff. You know, I consider your Indian food a microaggression and a form of everyday racism. Uh, now what? You can easily make that argument. Yes, you can. Very often doctors in the NHS, he says. You, you've got to understand, as an Englishman, I have a very sensitive palate. Mm. I need to take care of us. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. You need to stop microaggressing against my nose. Uh, he wasn't the only one to say this, though, but the next Indian lady put it rather bluntly. Uh, constant racism towards food. <laughs> now, oh, the slop wars are back. Dr. Nihulfa Ahmed, I don't think, has quite mastered well, English isn't her first language, I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to do the whole you hate us because we is brown, uh, you've got you've to try harder. No, 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 I don't hate you because you're brown. I'm just racist against your food. Racist <laughs> against the food. Didn't know food had races. Yeah, but here we are. That, that, that's now a thing. I wish I'd okay. seen this. I yeah. posted the Giga Chat. <laughs> <laughs> I am indeed. I am a food racist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes on. I mean, um, this guy, uh, Fabud, he didn't like it. He made a meme out of this. <laughs> food and drink policy. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it works. Okay to say there's no food, but not okay to say certain kinds of food are the culprit. <laughs> but again, I mean, I maybe I'm overstepping the mark, but I think I get, maybe I'll put a £10 bounty on it. So if you work at the hospital or the one who wrote this, if I'm wrong, you can get 10 quid off me. Um, I reckon this was a recurring problem. Okay. I it was like someone from Burma or something. <laughs> it's a Filipino nurse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you say that, but it's not uncommon. But also, it's like the fact that they are saying like no food is acceptable in the library. Like that still isn't okay. There's no like two double tier like distinction between that. They are saying no food's okay, just specifically. We've had a problem with this. Yeah, he's not saying now eat as much rotten eggs as you'd like. But God, do you bring curry into this place? I'll have you shot. No, he's... It's not even racism. It's just equality. Yeah, but the fact that they're singling out a particular <laughs> kind of food, or that, oh, that's racism against food. My food. I'm not having it. Well, as you know, um, certain people on buses, there's no certain person that makes a lot of noise on a bus, and there's no certain foods that have more smell than others. <laughs> Whenever people talk about English food, they say it smells just as much. Anyway, um, a lot of people are suspicious, as I mentioned, that an Indian may have written this, because uh, British people don't call them pakoras. I don't even know what it means. It's like a form of samosa. We just use right, samosa yeah. for it all. In the same way we use curry for... Yeah, yeah. we stupid and ignorant and just go, hmm, foreign food. I mean, I love the term ethnic food. Just that term in and of itself is amazing. That's why I'm racist to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't understand it for the longest time. I kept hearing on American TV. I was like, oh, do you like ethnic food? I was like, what does that mean? I just, like, I just love the idea of racism against food. It makes me... <laughs> makes you feel a lot more justified in Slopgate, to be honest. All right, yeah. I need you to go back to that. But there we are. So that's, that's some people's thoughts. I want a picture of some of this food. The hospital in question has refused to name the person who wrote this or mentioned that they've disciplined them. So, I mean, Disciplined the, them for what? Well, for doing a racism. Because obviously the, the hospitals are just as dumb. Yeah. People who work there. But anyway, um, so I, I, I am also going to put a £10 bounty. No, I'll leave it at £10. I'm not made of money. So there we are. Um, but many people have good responses, which is she's asking, what's the need for the last sentence? I mean, it, it is written there, yeah. the need for that last sentence. Why are you in a library if you can't read? 
I'll be honest, that one did make me chickle. Chickle? Chuckle. There we are. And then the last thing here is uh, a lot of anger to European food from oh. certain members of the staff. So this no, is... No, Nishma, no, no, they're not okay. It literally says, do not bring any food. <laughs> well, Nishma, for Christ's sake, they need to go to the library. <laughs> Nishma Shamara says, uh, well, thank goodness my tuna sandwiches, boiled eggs, blue cheese, and crackers are okay then. This type of microaggression bordering on racism is unacceptable within the NHS. <laughs> it's, okay, so it's not quite racism. It's just racism adjacent. Racism light. <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you're racist towards food, you're not proper racist, are you? It's just, no, I don't think of myself yeah. as a racist. You just, you just hate, I don't know, borscht or something. Yeah, just, just don't like the food. Okay. so Not racist, just don't like it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense, obviously, because they're saying no food. It's pretty clear. I mean, the rest of that was pretty obvious. There was a specific problem. I mean, Nishma, you're not allowed to bring food in. But there was an awful lot of salt, I must say, around European food. This guy responding here. So this is... Um, uh, Pock. <laughs> Sorry, the NHS has joined the slop war in the anti-slop side. <laughs> they have. So this uh, queer Pock has, has joined in to tell us. Yeah, okay. I take his opinion seriously. Um, his profile picture. Is that a picture of Rishi Sunak? Or am I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, actually, as I'm not average just, conservative party member, not just not seeing uh, differences. Right there we are. He says, "What is it with the NHS and being against flavor <laughs> it's seasoning?" Not a fucking restaurant. <laughs> Good food. It's, 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 it's not a restaurant. Not everyone is content with plain cucumber and butter sandwiches. <laughs> but the thing I love about this is, if you're Indian or whatever, or any other ethnicity. I'm sorry, but you do have bland foods in your culture. But also, they know. That's what I'm saying. They know. We know this is a microaggression against the English. But you're there with your cucumber and butter sandwich, and they're like, yeah, okay, that's really bland. It's like, yeah, I know, because that's what we're acclimatized to. It doesn't stink. Well, no, it's not, in the, it's not just that. It's like, okay, yeah, we don't actually... Our taste buds aren't run through like yours. We don't require this to be able to consume this food. <laughs> but, but you knew. You knew that this would be offensive to us, and you still brought it in. And it's so many times I had to put up a sign. But if you want to eat non-European food, there is, it turns out, non-European food that's not smelly. Yeah. Wait, wait, why isn't this an option? Nobody brought this up at the table. It's like, you know, if you eat boiled rice, for example, yeah. um, that doesn't smell. That's, that's not English. Rice isn't the staple. Bread is. So there you go. And, and then you could pick other types of non-smelly foods. It, it doesn't have to be the case that you're compelled by your genetics to eat smelly food. Because they want to commit racist microaggressions against us. That's why. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it's a choice, is my point. I just yeah. love the way this guy literally thinks the NHS is a restaurant. But there were, there were loads of these as well. In case you're wondering, there is a restaurant in this particular hospital uh, and this sign... <laughs> Sorry, I just can't get what is it. The, what is it with the NHS being against flavour? What? <laughs> White people don't season their libraries. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? But the it's... NHS is against flavour, is it? That's... that's... Sorry, just... They don't season their libraries. They don't season their rivers. It's, I mean, it's like Gordon Ramsay's restaurant or something. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, but the hospital has issued a statement. I went to the NHS and all of this just tastes like disinfectant. This <laughs> is disgusting. I can't eat this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the staff food as well. It's not even... <laughs> this is a library. It's not even the canteen. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the hospital has issued a statement saying, we are truly sorry for any distress or upset that has been caused by the sign that was put up in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> as soon as we were made aware of it, we removed it. It was absolutely not in line with our values, uh, behaviors, or the organization. <clears throat> Indeed, the hospital. We, we want smelly libraries, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we are proud to have a diverse workforce <laughs> and are committed to ensuring the experience of all of our staff is positive and inclusive. Well, the only way you can do that is by permitting the smelly foods. 
on the basis that I can't be seen to be racist towards samosas. Well, I, I replied to this being like, look, if you actually want to be inclusive, then what you have to do is make sure that everyone moderates themselves in order to uh, be considerate towards the other people. Because otherwise, there are going to be some things that say, you know, these sort of uh, vanilla English taste buds are going to be offended by the stench of Indian cuisine. And so something has to be moderated there. Otherwise, you're not being inclusive. You know what I find funny as well? It's not particularly Indians that are the worst offenders for the smelliest food on earth. There's a proper competition going for this. Oh, I bet there is. We were talking about it before we started, but I think there's the two... The French and their cheese. No, oh God, there's, there's two people who win. I don't know, man. French cheese stings. <laughs> it really does. Whereas English blue cheese. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I was thinking like cheddar. Or okay. German cheese is pretty good too. But for people who don't know, I mean, the two people who win this job, I think, has to be kimchi, South Koreans, and surströmming for the Swedish. Now, kimchi is fermented cabbage, and the Swedes win because they went with fermented fish. Comes in a can. Google it if you dare. Buy some if you are really brave and wish to fumigate your house. So there we are. Um, so this isn't video even... of you eating it when? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I'll go to an active war zone, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If you... There are great videos. I think um, iDubs might have got some back in the day. And he opens it, and I had to cut the camera because it just it reeks out. Yeah, I bet room. it does. Can't breathe. So yeah, no, it's not even the Indians who are being racismed against because their food is smelly. I'm gonna be racist against the Swedes. Yeah, I mean, actually, the Swedes are the ones being most victims of racism because they can't eat surf thrumming in the library. <laughs> I mean, it is a form of chemical warfare against the other top <laughs> participants, but there we are. The, the thing I find funny, though, is your solution of um, having standards. Oh, yeah. So it's been the case forever? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Forgot a minute <laughs> real quick. <laughs> Just if you're going into the NHS, get yourself used to what you'll be doing. But, um, yeah, on every bus, I mean, I've known this before. Someone else noticed this. I mean, about every single bus in this country has a sign mentioning smelly food. Yeah. Which is, don't do it. Uh, the tube used to do this. Now, what will you do? A little bit of thought from each of us makes a big difference to everyone. Yeah. I won't eat smelly food. I'll keep my feet off the seats. I don't know if the pigments of the characters there were on purpose, but there we are. Together, <laughs> London, doing the thing. Anyway. But um, I wanted to end this off with just one more example of how integration might not be going perfectly and is a tough, tough deal in case you've forgotten this story. Because I remembered it back from when I used to watch Russell Howard's Good News. God, I used to watch that as well. Dark Ages. It was miserable. This story. Students to be shown how to use the toilet. <sighs> the Pooh and the Loo campaign has arrived in Britain. Whoa, 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 whoa. These are just students. Stanny students. Any old students from the University of Sheffield. Probably from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Top university puts bizarre warning signs in campus loos after complaints about awful mess. Is it bizarre if there's regularly an awful mess? I, if yeah. regularly an awful mess, it's not bizarre. It's, <laughs> it's necessary. That's, that's the norm, the new normal. Okay. Do you want to see the signs? Yeah, go on. Have a look. There we are. <laughs> so what you should do with a toilet, it turns out, the students who went to Sheffield <laughs> didn't know that they need to sit on it not squat on it with your feet on the, the rim. Who hasn't been there, though, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing I love is I remember watching Russell Howard's Good News when I was, you know, ignorant and foolish. And I remember his coverage of the story being that, man, young people these days, am I right? And obviously now I've... I agree with you, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> students. Students could be here, he thought. Yeah. I hate students. 
<laughs> said the person charged with cleaning the toilet. <laughs> There's also another diagram here from the, the University of Sheffield on toilet etiquette. Do you not put the toilet paper on the floor? You put it in the toilet after you use <laughs> it and flush it, not on the floor. To the because... Greek students, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's the one thing I hated about Greece. You can't put the toilet paper down the toilets. I'm still in shock. I think we learned this. I don't know if you know about this. We looked at a map the other day of whether or not um, you flush the toilet paper. A lot of countries, you just put it in a bin. Yeah. And then it's just a pile of shitty... Yeah. Why would you... Do you know why the Greeks do this? Their plumbing's bad? Yeah, but do you know why their plumbing's bad? Because they're Greek? No. Oh. <laughs> because we sold it to them. <laughs> I don't know why. But like in like you know, oh, 1890 gosh. or something, when we're like, oh, we've invented indoor plumbing. For some reason, we gave the Greeks like really narrow tubes. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> and it's been like 100 years and they haven't like replaced them. Whereas we have. <laughs> so it's just like... So there we are. I don't know why we did it to them. Um, integration, it's a... It's a total angle. <laughs> it's very tough. I, I love how micro it can be in that we're talking about NHS food in the library or can you squat on a toilet or not. Or an Eritrean um, civil war. Yeah. The, the war for independence. Well, celebration of the war for independence. And you celebrate by having a civil war <coughs> between, <laughs> between the Dutch Eritrean community. But um, yeah, I don't just say this to be ha-ha funny. Um, it's going to get worse. Because I did a little bit of maths over the weekend, and I'd like oh, yeah. to share you my good. equations. You've probably seen this before, which is a graph of when people who are foreign arrived in the UK. And as you can see, it's about, what, 75% since Tony Blair? Yeah. His fault here? Well, I added up the numbers we had for the last two years, unadded. Now it looks like this. So this, what, 19% is just from the last couple of years. And then this is the Tories doing the, their work. So now over 53% of foreigners in this country are from the Tories, not, not from Tony Blair. There we are. And um, if you want to see six years from now, it looks like that. Anyway, I have a feeling we might have some more signs to put up. That's all. Yeah. Let's end that there. Right, was that all right? Magic. <laughs> yeah, you know. It was... It's depressing. Like, li li literally, all I am is this guy at the end of it. <laughs> It's like, oh, God. You know, I, I mean, I'm just praying for the destruction of the Tory party in the next election, just so I don't think we can take another five years of Tory rule. Um, anyway. Right, we can put up a lot of signs. I guess we're going to put up a lot of signs. Anyway, so um, last week, I think it was last week, uh, this video game was released. Now, this is called Helldivers 2. And this is not a sponsored segment. Uh, I've never played it, although after being told by lots and lots of people, you've got to play this game. I realized I kind of do have to play this game because what it is a four-player cooperative uh, game where it's basically, as one person put it, quote, an unlicensed Starship Troopers game, which sounds awesome. Now, this was a really big hit. And this is something the video game industry generally is kind of surprised about. It's like one game that's actually quite good comes out of nowhere. And everyone's like, hey, I'd like to play a good game. And they're like, no, you don't. <laughs> you want to give me all of your money instead? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. You, you want to play the latest like Harley Quinn game where she tells you you're a bad person for being a straight white male or whatever. And actually, people are like, no, I'd, lo I'd love to actually be a disposable chump on the front lines, killing bugs until I get my head melted off. Actually, and uh, so yeah, like millions of people bought this. And it's the same with like Pal World. It's like I'd really like just open world Pokemon game, please. Like, no, you don't. Like, otherwise, we would have made that. We didn't make that, so you don't want it. It's like no, nope, millions of people are now playing that. Sorry, uh, but this triggered a lot of people 
triggered a lot of discourse. And I think the the reason I'm talking about this, the interesting thing about this discourse, is the sides people take. Because as you can see, one side is vaguely sympathetic, being human beings, and the other side are carnivorous bugs who want to destroy the human race. So which side did the left choose to back in the human versus bug war? Do they welcome our insect overlords? Yes, they do. As you might expect. So Starship Troopers was basically the topic of conversation on Twitter all weekend. Thankfully, I happen to actually be something of an expert on Starship Troopers. Uh, This is still on YouTube, getting like 30,000 views over the last couple of days, which is nice. Um, But basically, it's my big breakdown of Starship Troopers. Uh, So... I still think this is actually your best video. Yeah, I know. This is definitely the best video I've ever made. Um, But to summarize it, uh, a transparent, populous, prosperous, accountable democracy is presented in the movie Starship Troopers that has a bug empire declare war on it, and the bugs start essentially genociding the humans, and so the humans have to fight back. It's actually morally unambiguous. Yeah. Totally morally unambiguous. Uh, it's full of well-adjusted and happy people who do the right thing for the survival and betterment of mankind. So calling this fascism makes fascism cooler than it is. Because this isn't actually how fascism worked in real life. Fascism is when you don't want to be eaten by bugs. Fascism is when you have an accountable elected government. Fascism is when, you, when you're handsome. <laughs> And you join the Fascism army. is when you get all the girls. <laughs> fascism is when you defeat the enemy. Yeah, it wasn't a very convincing <laughs> argument against fascism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's not fascism. It's uh, the libertarian paradise. As anyone who knew anything about Robert Heinlein would know, he was a libertarian uh, author and political activist in his life. Uh, very much an anti-communist. And that's the interesting part about the Starship Troopers discourse, is the left desperately trying to invalidate or take ownership of something, you have to get like, like with Warhammer, where it's like, no, this is just congenitally anti-you, actually. But the great thing about Starship Troopers is that Heinlein was so explicitly anti-communist, there's just no room for wiggle on that. Um, so anyway, um, Starship Troopers is pretty good. Uh, I quite enjoy it. This is from, I think the third film, I don't know why they're saying there's a Japanese one, this isn't Japanese. This is from the third movie. But this is what the uh, mobile infantry is supposed to actually look like in the Starship Troopers universe. Uh, it's meant to be power armor. Heinlein basically invented the concept of power armor. They, the reason they're called mobiles is so the jetpacks on, they jump around, and they launch like nukes from the shoulders and stuff. Awesome stuff. Sorry, Jess, I realize this is going to be really boring, but I couldn't not cover it. Um, and so let's get into the, the actual discourse. Because, I mean, what's not awesome about this? <laughs> You're just one guy. With this, you know, this is like the apex of Western man, right? So, yeah, you, you've used your technology to make yourself an unstoppable dis- machine of destruction, and you are killing millions of bugs in every missile launched and you're flying around being awesome and there's the unstoppable tide of communists coming at you and they are literally meant to represent communists by the way Heinlein called them the perfect communism uh, for a species adapted to it but again it's like being a young boy again with an ant colony and just yeah except this actually has a good point to it Uh, but the point is Starship Troopers is awesome and makes us look awesome it makes the West and humanity look amazing and so, of course, the communists are like, well, it's fascism, you know? It's like, really, anything that makes us look good is fascism, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, so you see that communists are identifying literal insects again. It's like, the insects as well that Heinlein explicitly said represent communists in this, in this story. They're like, yeah, that the is. Mindless hive mind that will eat all of humanity. Yeah. 
but anyway, yeah, it's not about fascism, believe it or not. But um, but anyway, so this went on, and you got the like thing. Oh, they're conscri- conscripting children. No, they're not conscripting anyone. Actually, uh, they're losing a war that they started. No, they didn't start the war, and actually, they're not losing because the the whole movie of Starship Troopers involves two battles. Uh, it is literally the very beginning of a war. Let's just say. And the sequels, there were five, four sequels, and they're all terrible because none of them continue the plot of the war, which is really annoying. Like, why wouldn't you just continue until the end of the story? But anyway, moving on. So uh, they all go, well, I mean, Paul Verhoeven, the director of the film, he said they were fascist. They say, yeah, but he was a communist. And an idiot. Yes. He wasn't just left wing. He didn't read the book. Yes. And they just said, oh, yes, it's a story about fascism. It's not even a very thick book. No. But you got like, even I read it. Yeah, you got like two chapters in and was like, "Yeah, I'm not reading this." It's like, I mean, how do you, how do you have a job? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're so allergic to work because he's a communist. Yeah, that's why. But he uh, he says this quote: "It's a very right wing book." How would you know you didn't read it? <laughs> I mean, it is. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but how do you know, right? Uh, and he says, <clears throat> and with the movie, we tried, and I think we at least partially succeeded in commenting on that at the same time. So, well, you made it look cool, but um, but he says, look, uh, all the way through, we were fighting with the fascism, the ultra-militarism. It's just nothing of that in there. No. From what I saw in the movie, because I watched a few reviews of this, there's like, um, their like logo, their symbol is sort of similar to the fascist uh, symbol. Is that it's similar? Is that similar in the books? Um, no, you don't. Well, the book obviously is uh, text. So you can't see any logos. But what does it say? Like, it, well, it doesn't it doesn't portray them as having um, a Nazi symbol or anything like that. And all the way through the book, um, the heading of each chapter, there's a quote from a real world political figure. And the real world political figures are people like uh, George Washington, <laughs> um, famous so, fascist. Yeah, 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 famous fascist George Washington. Um, and Thomas very, Jefferson Churchill. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson Churchill. It, it's a it's a distinctly Western liberal text. It's not in any way fascist. But Paul Verhoeven's like, yeah, but if I have them wearing Nazi uniforms, uh-huh. big brain. It's just like those cakes that you get where you, someone makes a cake of a, a, a roast dinner or something and cuts into it and it's a cake. He's like, yeah, but I made it look like a roast dinner. It's a roast dinner. But okay, we'll taste it. <laughs> Screaming at you because it has the vibes of a roast dinner. It is a roast dinner. Exactly. It's like, yeah, but it's cake. Everything's cake. Um, but, uh, but he says, you know, we're fighting with the fascism, the ultra-militarism. Ultra it's like, it's a war film? Is Saving Private Ryan a fascist ultra-militarist film? <laughs> because it's basically what's happening in space, unironically. Uh, all the way through, I wanted the audience to be asking, are these people crazy? Why would they ask that? Humanity is attacked by an alien bug race, millions are killed, and humanity fights back. And Paul Verhoeven's like, see, they're crazy. They're mental. How could they be? Don't you just want to be eaten by bugs? <laughs> You don't want to have a cool uniform and save the human race, do you? You want to have your brain sucked out. Yes, which, unironically, a lot of the leftists were like, yeah, that's literally me. Um, but anyway, so people are like, look, you're buying into fascism, guys. Starship Troopers is framed as a propaganda film in the world at which it transpires, incorporating elements that are meant to show how a seductive fascist stratocracy can be on the surface. Some think the seductive elements undermine the criticism because they were manipulated by them. They are a democracy. They, they swear an oath to a constitution. And they remove the leadership when they fail. And then, they, yeah, they vote for the leader. And if the leader messes up, they resign. 
Average, just like Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like Mussolini. Like, average fascist. Right? And so, as you can see, Paul Verhoeven was so left-wing, he made liberal democracy into fascism in the minds of the leftists. Uh, and so, people started realizing, wait a minute, it's not that you really know anything or care about fascism. It's that you just hate the human race and any kind of success that we have. That's really what is the beating heart of leftism. I mean, like you, just this recent Starship Troopers discourse has been amazing to witness because conservatives are literally buying into the fascist propaganda of a movie that's straightforwardly about making fun of fascist propaganda. It's like, okay, but why are you making everyone look good and wholesome? And doing good things. Yes. Well. Like there's is no- there actually a single immoral action anyone takes in the entire movie? Um, there's the, the only questionable thing is the um, intelligence agency using uh, the soldiers as a decoy so they can capture the brain bug. And then they do it and they win the war. Yeah. And then he tells them, look, I'm sorry I had to do it, but I've got to make decisions like this because it's a war. Because I was thinking there's the scenes, like the shower scenes, where the soldiers of both sexes oh, yeah. shower together and society is that perfect that yeah. there's no worries about misconduct. Yeah. It's like, okay, like we've reached peak equality in the sense of people respect each other then. It, it is the most liberal thing you can imagine, yes. Um, so, I mean, basically, this, this weekend was just leftists uh, showing that they don't understand fascism constantly. Uh, leftists believe that fascism means rule by those who are competent and beautiful. Hmm. Now, one of the things that we're going to see, and I want you to pay attention to the profile pictures of the people who are calling it fascists, because I think um, a bit of physiognomy checking is worthwhile at this point, because actually it does appear to be a coalition of spiteful mutants who are looking at the handsome successful, well-adjusted people in Starship Troopers and being like, I don't feel represented in that. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. In fact, do we have any so far? But, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's basically, okay, we'll explain fascism. And the response was no. It's like, okay. And so people are noticing, okay, fascism is just when your dad says no, isn't it? I mean, yes. Yeah. And ironically nailed it. That's correct. But you'll notice that these people so you can see by the profile picture, it's not spiteful mutants. Normal people, normal lives, who like being human and like being alive, and don't want to get their brains sucked out by bugs, or their, their cities destroyed by bug asteroids. Um, and so, I mean, look, this, this guy is a Simpsons creator, but look at, the, look at his Simpsons profile pic. There's, of course, a picture of himself in The Simpsons. Okay. So... As you can see, it's uh, Verhoeven being like, but I dress them like Nazis, as he puts in his director's commentary. It's like, okay, why didn't you have them do Nazi things? You could easily have had them do Nazi things. But instead, what we get is live footage from the front lines, a level of media transparency that is just unthinkable. Showing you the horrors of war. Yes. Literally will never happen. Um, but the point is, the, the people in the movie are determined by their actions. That's how you know if they're good or bad not by the clothes they're wearing, actually. And that's actually why we thought the Nazis were bad, by their actions. Really? I didn't like the clothes. Yeah. That was the big thing for me. Driving around in Volkswagens, wearing stylish Hugo Boss clothes, and they're like, no, well, I don't even care what they've done. I thought that's why, uh, you know, Chamberlain declared war. Yeah. Too good looking. Got to take him down. Yeah, yeah. Chamberlain, the spiteful mutant. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But anyway, so... As you can see, people are like, oh, well, uh, we need to have a discussion about media literacy. It's like, we are having a discussion about media literacy. Your illiteracy. 
the fact that you haven't spent any time engaging with this, but for some reason you feel the need to pontificate on it. Um, they lack media analysis skills. They only interact with books, TV shows, and films on the most superficial of levels. Like, but is it the superficial level though? Or is saying they're dressed like Nazis the superficial level that you're not interacting with the core content of it? Uh, the bugs. He's so, saying kill the bugs. Yeah. Got you. I think we should kill the genocidal space bugs because I'm pro-human. <laughs> um, anyway, my favorite, this again, just sorry, got to pull up profile pictures. Got to look at this bordering on bullying. <laughs> no, this is just observing the kind of people who think that they're better than humanity. I wonder if there's a Google plugin. Like, I quite like it if there was a Google plugin that changed their profile picture to a picture of the bugs. So then you just know, like, <laughs> bug sympathizer. But what I love about this, my favorite part of Starship Troopers discourse, is they'll watch a scene of a military scientist torturing and killing an intelligent life form whose territory we invaded and is clearly screaming in agony and still not get that Starship Troopers is a satire of fascism. That's a living weapon. Right? The thing that is being represented, look at it. Do you think you could write a symphony? How would it hold a pen? Like, all it has, the way it interacts with the world is blades. Like, that's all it can do. It's literally a warrior. And it doesn't and have a mind of its own. It doesn't have a mind of its own. That's why they need the brain bug, right? It's not an intelligent, but they, look what he's projecting onto it. Okay, so if it's an intelligent life form, then we have to make sure that we can't kill them. We have to be completely kind to them. It's like, but if it's an intelligent life form, let's assume that it was, whose sole purpose in life is to murder you, I think actually might be justified, right? So who is even in defense of the bugs? Well, found the culprit. Yeah, the bug men are sat in their very comfortable rooms. Going, yeah, actually, I think the bugs are the good guys in Starship Troopers. And then you've got some really, really bizarre people. It's like, isn't this cute? Not very. For people listening, we're looking at the brain bug with its huge brain-sucking tongue coming out of its mouth. It's what? Surrounded by its eight googly eyes. Yeah. Dripping with slime. And it looks like a blubber fish or something for the rest of it. It's yeah, revolting. Is it meant to be kind of cute? It's the eyes? Are they cute eyes? I mean, you know, you had some strong thoughts about horses. <laughs> horses look like magnificent animals by comparison, right? Kind of reminds me of a pug. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the eye. I think pugs are getting short shrift here. Pugs are pretty ugly. <laughs> but, um, but this, I think, summarizes it. If you relate to this thing more than the human characters of the film, the problem is you, right? There's nothing wrong with relating to your fellow man in a film about a species of bugs that's trying to genocide man. And uh, I mean, the, the memes were just fantastic of this because we have arrived at this point where being against having everyone killed is far right. The chthonic longhouse of the bugs is how this is being interpreted, which I think what? is actually... <clears throat> how does that mean? Well, think about it, right? Uh, insect species are matriarchal. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I'm just oh, bees, etc. Ants. Okay. You know, they have a queen, and so the brain bug is its queen. Yeah. Just a fair point, I think, uh, that no one wants to talk about. I guess. Um, but anyway, so this is what it boils down to, and just so you can see this properly: Nazis, as in handsome human guy, bad doing, doing a space, space racism, doing a propaganda, doing a militarism. Brown people, the bugs, <laughs> being ugly and disgusting, brackets wholesome, 
doing an anti-colonialism, doing communism. It's literally what this is boiled down to. That's, I mean, you can literally be a murderous living weapon controlled by a disgusting, gooey brain, and they're like, yeah, that's the communist I want to be. I mean, this does explain an awful lot. Yeah. I mean, even when we're dealing with like terrorists in the UK who kill kids, and then they're still sitting there being like, well, you know, we've got to let them in. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. A lot of Black Lives Matter as well. Like, they were completely against the police and ACAB and all that kind of stuff. Again, it kind of parallels. Yeah. It's, they will. Like, what crime won't you excuse? I think we found the answer. I mean, literally, genocide of the human race is also on the table. Yeah. If, if it's a handsome white guy opposing it, I'm sorry. I'm with the genocidal Black Lives Matter activists, okay? Like, I just, it's mental. <clears throat> and so um, people are pointing out, yeah, no, no, they are just anti-human. And I think that's entirely fair. Like, you can't really describe this. And th this is why I thought this was worth covering. The Starship Troopers discourse just reveals the left to be the anti-human force that they are. I mean, it doesn't matter that the Federation isn't fascist entity. What it is, is exclusive. What it does is say, no, you can't be a part of it because you're a genocidal space bug. Uh, they can't have that. That makes them feel like they're going to be judged based on a standard. It's human-centered. It's meritocratic. It's self-confident. It's morally correct. It's everything the left is not. And they require you not to be any of those things if they are to succeed. That's why they hate Starship Troopers. All right, well, on that note, I suppose we'll move on. And um, who are we funding? Oh, I hadn't given you the mouse. Damn. Thank you. I'm going to try and find out how to work this. Okay, so do we all remember this guy, Abdul Azidi? Let me get the picture up. I mean, this Which only one? happened two weeks ago, right? <laughs> yeah, um, he has a worse fringe than me at the moment. So basically, this guy, um, he was denied asylum twice. And... During this time as well, he sexually assaulted someone, outstanding citizen who definitely deserves citizenship rights, definitely deserves asylum. And after being granted asylum, shortly after being granted asylum on the basis that he converted to Christianity, he threw um, a corrosive substance at a woman and I believe her children as well. And it begs the question, how was an individual like this able to stay in the UK? after being denied asylum, not once, but twice. You know, surely the system should be like, you've been denied asylum, kick you out. Yeah. But obviously that's, that doesn't happen. And a part of this is because we have non-profits, organisations, activist organisations who, Trojan horse, they call themselves charities. And when we think of charities, we think of like a nice kind old lady giving you know, to the poor. Yeah, trying to find money for cancer research or helping homelessness, that kind of stuff. Noble acts, I I'd argue. Um not this. So, we already spend a boatload on asylum seekers as it is. It's like millions a day. But for those who aren't even accepted into that system, don't you worry, they also get housing and um housing and food by um the Action Foundation and other organizations like this. Sorry, just to interrupt, is the Conservative Party funding this? The government is funding it through government grants and contracts. I believe it was... Um... We, can't, we can't take another five years of Conservative <laughs> government. Oh, we'll just fund our own terrorism. That's great. Thanks, boys. Hmm. And there's also references to grooming gangs as well, um, who've also been funded by similar organisations. <laughs> Conservative Party funding grooming gangs. 
it's a hundred it's over hundreds of thousands of pounds in grants and in addition to housing and shelter they're also being provided legal aid as well so if you're wondering how all these asylum claimants are having the genius idea of converting to christianity i guarantee that these organizations are having a part to play in that i'm legit shocked that helps to be honest <laughs> it's probably a converted christianity where well, you're not coming in there. Um, and it doesn't just stop at asylum claimants in providing feeding and housing and legal aid. It's also influencing government policy as well. As you can see by this article by Stephen Edgington, um, charities lobbying against the Randa Bill have been given $209 million off taxpayer money. Again, through grants, through contracts, all that kind of stuff. So the Conservative government's like, hey, we're going to try and pass this bill to get them sent to Rwanda. And they're also like, yeah, we're also going to fund the lobbying effort against passing the bill. Yeah, we are deliberately funding organisations actively working against the interest of the British people. But against the actions of the government itself. Yeah. Um, so some quotes from this. There's this charity called Freedom From Torture who has... <clears throat> cited the Rwanda bill as a cash for human scheme and they've also said that we will keep fighting cash for human scheme <clears throat> yeah i love for like a job <laughs> yeah literally but but also <laughs> the fact that the Rwanda bill um is responding to the illegal immigration coming in the uk which again is a cash for human scheme the amount of money they are getting is completely ridiculous there's no two ways about it and also saying we will keep fighting again surely these Charities should be not be doing that. They shouldn't be acting as activists rallying against the British government. Well, they shouldn't. But... <laughs> and again, this charity received six six hundred thousand um, pounds in grants. We're going to rebrand, man. <laughs> we're going to rebrand as a charity, and then we're going to get this money off the government. Lotus Eaters Foundation. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, and it doesn't stop there as well. So um, this amazing. Um, paper by Conservative Way Forward, defunding political motivated campaigns because it's not just about charities and organisations, it's about the civil service, it's about the Equality Act. All these parts of government stopping the government from actually doing anything. The little will that the Conservatives have to do anything is completely like Trump sampled on by these organisations and by the functions of the government itself, by the functions of the state. And a few examples of this on page nine. I'm terrible. No worries, John. <laughs> so there's the Refugee Action Plan um, organisation, which has been given 17.7 million by the government. Described the Rwanda plan as racist. We're branding. <laughs> We're getting some of this money, man. We're the I Love Rwanda yeah. Foundation. We love refugees. We love <laughs> And it described the Rwanda plan as racist at its core. I'm so glad we're giving millions of pounds to uh, to these organisations. Hey being mentally ill is actually a career choice. <laughs> Sincerely. You don't know the half of it. Again, LGBT charities calling for the ban of conversion therapy. The charity has received 140 million of British taxpayer money. Fantastic. To do what? Wait, call, the government yeah. call the government racist. Yeah. Call the government racist. Ten times a month. <laughs> like, what? What specifically? Why? Um, because I will get into that later. 
Um, but basically, this organisation, so these organisations, are uh, campaigning, lobbying the government to push forward the conversion therapy ban, which basically prohibits freedom of speech. What's that got to do with refugees? <laughs> oh, no, this is an LGBT oh. Oh, this, charity. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. there's, they're all in different aspects of it. It's not just Ill illegal immigration or migration. Right, right. It's every single aspect of wokeism that you can imagine. Same with the Health Alliance on Climate Change. So we've had the race communism, now we need to do the gay communism, now we need the climate communism. Climate communism, who have sided with Extinction Rebellion and they've been involved in public disturbances, which have also led to the arrest of several How members of this. How much get from the government? I don't have the statistics, but I can guarantee... Billions and billions. <laughs> minimum hundreds of thousands, but I, I can bet millions as well. And next one... I'm terrible. I've just gone back. Oh gosh. Okay, Stonewall. We're all aware of Stonewall. Oh, I thought they stopped this. Um, this was in 2023. I'm not sure if they've stopped this, but this has been a continuous thing. So uh, what, what I'm thinking from this, all I've all all I'm taking from the sort of business perspective is that Stonewall has made a serious mistake here. Right. If they were full spectrum communism, as in you know, gay communism, race communism, environment communism. They could be racking in way more money from the government. <laughs> way more markets to tap into. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we, we could be inventing new kinds of communism to get money out of the Conservative Party for. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And they've received 1.2 million uh, from taxpayer subsidies this year, per year. <laughs> Just, why not? Uh, Stonewall was something that happened in America, isn't it? The Stonewall riots. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like New York, I think. Yeah, I, I think originally the charity was used to promote just gay and lesbian rights, yeah. um, whatever that means, and then it, it slowly progressed to trans Same ideology. <laughs> yeah, oh, they got all the rights. So what are you going to do? Go home? More rights. Oh, we're being paid. Just make up more rights. And within that, one point two million pounds of taxpayer subsidies, seven hundred thousand is going towards diversity champions. So these are champions going into organisations promoting their their gay communism, their trans communism, all that kind of great stuff. And they've also, um, as the report shows, two hundred over two hundred public sector organisations have also given money to Stonewall through these diversity champion schemes. So if you're wondering why everything is so woke, here's, here's one of the answers. You can thank the Conservative Party. <laughs> Again, another example. This is a really great substack um, that goes on the Runnymede Trust. Are you guys aware of the Runnymede Trust? Yes, they're race communists. Yeah. Um, they wrote Britain's new policy <clears throat> on Islamophobia and provides influence on teaching kids about migration and belonging and the empire at school. Fantastic. And then, next one. So if you're wondering why this is happening, part of it is because the charity sector has just significantly grown. This is an article in The Critic by Poppy Coburn, who's done tremendous work on this. Um, as you can see here... Um, 165,000 <laughs> voluntary organisations. Yeah, the amount of workers is nearly two-thirds as many as the NHS. 56.9 billion. Obviously, like not all of these are woke organizations. There are still like um, charity research, that kind of stuff, like cancer foundations, like things that you could see are plausible. Like I don't have an issue really with that. Um, but a lot of it is going towards these woke charity organizations. And 
actually, if you look at the Charity Commission page and it shows the percent of government grants and all that kind of stuff, that isn't even it. Because these organisations, for example, the Action Foundation that funded um, the, what's his name, Abdulazidi. Yeah. Um, if you look at that, you can absolutely go through a rabbit hole of these organisations funding the other organisations through trusts and everything. So they've also been funded through the state through bigger organisations. It's literally like a spider web. There's a, I mean, the, the, there's also the problem of these organisations, whether they aren't meant to be woke, being woke regardless. I mean, the med- they say here, the medical charity, The Wellcome Trust, whose London Museum recently shut its Medicine Man exhibition based upon the collection of its founder for fear that it represented a version of medical history that is based on racist, sexist, and ableist theories and language. This is 50, sorry, 56 billion every year, which is burning. Yeah. Because what is that? Yeah. I just did some pocket calculations because I wanted to figure out how big that is. That's a third of the size of the British agricultural sector. <laughs> Imagine if a third of the agricultural sector was just burning money. That's all this is. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that is huge. But again, bear in mind, not all of this is through the government yeah. and not all of this is going to woke organ- organizations. Still, think about how many pyramids you could build for 56 billion. I mean, just do anything. Just build a really big hole and you'd have more done. Yeah. And again, a lot of this money is going to organizations that actively... Really? really <laughs> <laughs> Neuron activated. <laughs> and again, like, why is this happening? Um, this article by Harrison Pitts... Uh, Britain's deep state bulldozing the blob. Again, it, it exemplifies all the reasons why this is happening, why nothing can actually change in Whitehall. Shows um, that this is due, not entirely, but partially due to the Charities Act, uh, which in 2011 redefined charitable purposes to include the advancements of human rights, conflict resolution, or reconciliation. One of the Conservative governments, when they're in coalition's first changes was to make woke activism part of charity yeah thanks david cameron <laughs> god yeah even tony blair didn't do that <laughs> just need a malay man just come in and just be like no you're gone so true so true sorry <laughs> but yeah it is partially due to the charities act but i don't think even getting rid of the charities act is enough we need to get these uh, these organizations out of government because this is a form of lobbying the amount of scrutiny that like the institute of economic affairs gets um these organizations which are masquerading as charities should be getting that same level if not more scrutiny because they're actively anti-british and they're destroying this country pretty much it's ideological activism masquerading as charity yeah that's the issue but yeah that's my um two cents i think my social medias have been promoted. Follow me on Twitter, Jessica03, Instagram, and TikTok. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I guess we'll go to the video comments. As C.S. Lewis had the demon Uncle Screwtape write to his nephew Wormwood, in the last generation we promoted the construction of such a historical Jesus on liberal and humanitarian lines. We're now putting forward a new historical Jesus on Marxian, catastrophic, and revolutionary lines. The advantages of these constructions, which we intend to change every 30 years or so, are manifold. C.S. Lewis understood much about the Western condition and the probable paths it would take. Yeah, he seems to have been something of a prophet, to be honest. Let's go to the next one. Now, the European Union recently tabled some legislation that would have old cars destroyed. 
They do this by preventing any work being done to a, quote, residual vehicle, which is defined as any old vehicle, 15 years or older, in need of serious repair, including cutting and welding. As you can see behind me, that's a very basic part of gold car ownership and basically precludes all bodywork. And the verbiage, too. Residual. Like a residual affectation to a previous era that ought to be destroyed. Now, do I think this legislation will pass? No. But do I think that betrays their intent? Oh yeah, crystal clear. Now, if you excuse me, I got some autographs to piss off. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. They want to ban cars. I mean, they're not even hiding it anymore. I think it's one of the, the pledges. What is it? Oh, well, petrol and diesel cars are going by 2030 to 2050. Yeah, isn't the conservative government doing the same? Yeah, yeah. even if you're outside the EU. I think California signed on to that. Yeah, um, even though that everyone knows that there won't be enough electric cars, there just isn't enough lithium to even do that. Yeah. So it's done out of child slave labor. Just ban cars, return to horse. Okay, <clears throat> right, let's get the next one. Hello. I was watching your podcast and Sargon for a long time. Because I'm spiritually Jewish, I don't like to pay for online subscriptions. But I looked at my last receipt Man. in supermarket and decided that you deserve my money more than Germans. Thank you for your work. I do love I do love those articles as well. Like, oh, it can be scary, but it's for social reform. No, they're bad. It's like, just... Well, Vox doesn't even try. No. I mean, like, the guy who runs it is an utter hypocritical scumbag and doesn't care. Well, he's... Follow him on Twitter. I do, because it's just fun. Nothing else. Anyway, I see it's bugs. Let's go to the bugs. Since people are talking about the Starship Troopers movie, um, I would like to say that I was one of those kids that saw the movie in theaters when I was seven and owned about like a third of the toy line. Got which is weird, because it's like... A super R-rated movie has like a toy line for children. Now I will admit that I was one of the kids that would go, "Oh no, those poor bugs." Now, granted, it's not for any like political reason or like any hatred of humans. <laughs> I was just a kid that liked <laughs> bugs and thought the arachnids looked kind of cool. Oh, all right, fair enough. I would but, like I would, I would like to show my kids Starship Troopers, but they're too young. Can we keep that on screen for a minute? Because I just want to point <clears> out, like, definitely that that little toy section on the top right there—that is Hitler stood next to the bugs. I am not mental. That is literally like well, his cat sure it's, and his coat. It's Carl dressed as Hitler. Okay. It's fake Hitler. All right. Let's go to the next one. I know the topic of Gnosticism comes up a lot in terms of like trans ideology and stuff. And I think it would be good for people to get a better explanation of that. So maybe that could be a segment. I think um I think it's slightly overblown by Mr. Lindsay, to be honest. Um, I don't even know what the word means. I stopped caring. It's a kind of um, Christian heresy from the Middle Ages uh, that fundamentally there are lots of different types. You've got the earliest ones, I think, are the Bogomils, the Cathars, and you have various others. Um, but the the fundamental premise again, I don't even know how James is connecting it to what's happening now. Uh, but the fundamental premise is the world is evil, made by an evil god called the Demiurge. Beyond the world, beyond already lost me. See, <laughs> what the hell am beyond, I to? <laughs> beyond, beyond this is the true God of Christianity in the Bible. All right. So the Demiurge is represented in the Old Testament and the true God is represented in the New Testament. Uh, as you can imagine, the Pope was like, not on my watch and crusaded them, uh, which is exactly what the Demiurge would do. So, but the, this, this is the sort of a general overview of the Gnostic heresies. Um, so I don't know how that connects to wokeism, to be honest. I'm sure James Lindsay's got a theory. Uh, I, I, I find all of that conversation just draining. Yeah, especially as wokeism is so obviously a liberal heresy. 
comes from within liberalism. It's from the Middle Ages. So, anyway. Um, the Crusader says, looking forward to the Hangout, if you can really call it looking forward to. Oh, yes, the cyborg dystopia. Uh, given the subject matter, I hope you're talking about AI in that. Um, well, we will be talking about AI, AI in that partially. So we're going to be talking about the future of war, which is going to be fun. Um, Dave Cullen did an excellent video on the subject only a day or two ago, which was to do with creative endeavors, but applies equally to warfare. Um, yeah, I'm mildly optimistic about the um, Sora video creation. Have you seen it? Is John? this the, the AI stuff where I can yeah, make yeah, yeah. whatever you'd John, like? John, can you get up the Sora videos that you've been sending me? Being like, look at this, it's going to destroy everything. Because I've seen people taking the piss where they're just taking like old memes and like, oh, the AI yeah, made there's, this. There's some really amazing ones. Okay. Oh. I've seen the Chinese ones, but what's, what's good? Oh, the Ant ones. That's an AI. This is all AI generated. None of that is real. <clears throat> is this going to be part of your side punk stuff? Uh, a future one. Not this. Not this one. This isn't exactly warfare yet. But I mean, that's just AI rendered video. Pretty incredible. If you can make something cohesive, yeah, I mean, you can make a movie at this point. Well, yeah, exactly. Right, and that's why I'm actually mildly optimistic about it, because obviously Hollywood has essentially been the sort of gatekeeper of Western movies. It's like, no, actually. No, more chat of their Well, yeah, I was going to say, so no. What, what we're gonna, what we're going to get is a million versions of Triumph of the Will from 4chan. <laughs> well, I was asking, like, there's a reason they haven't made this publicly available, like Eleven Labs and everything else, because they've learned their lesson. Yeah. But... This this will eventually... Um, I think you'll be able to pay for it. Um, the worry I have is, are they going to make it retarded, like Eleven Labs and everything else? Possibly. Possibly. But as long as you're not dealing with something political, you can doubtless make amazing films. Mm. Um, and so the sort of democratization of special effects is what we're going to see happen, uh, which actually I think is a great idea because I'm sure that people will produce good stuff. Apparently it only produces like minute-long clips, so that's fine because you just produce you know, a thousand minute long clips or however many you need um, to get the thing you want. And actually people will be able to tell their own stories in really high quality. So I'm actually kind of optimistic about this. Yeah, I've seen a similar thing. I'm not sure if it's made by this, but I think it's um, a collaboration of different AI tools of an Alice in Wonderland trailer uh, where basically the premise was that um, they'd enter like this AI matrix multiverse kind of thing that would be the wonderland yeah. and alice in wonderland is meant to be like really weird and crazy and that yeah, yeah. kind of stuff and because it's used by ai and there's no limitations off like imagination and that kind of stuff and it has this really weird vibe to it they, they did such an amazing job and i, I really wish that would be like a full-length video mm. and so i think we you know i'm actually mildly optimistic i think it'll i think it could do some good stuff i'll um, be using it to make my own videos Exactly. Like some animations like 30 seconds long, which take a little while to make. But if I could just go, get proper. Yeah, exactly. It's done. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's going to make the quality of things just look a lot better, which is great. So, anyway, uh, Charles says, Love when you have Jess on. That's nice. Thank you. Nice. Uh, Evil Zombie Toe sends a $5 super chat and says, White people don't season their crime statistics. Just <laughs> true. Yeah. Don't season the streets. Don't season the rivers. Have you seen the um, per capita discourse that goes on? Oh, is this the not understanding what per capita means? 
yeah. the, the Shaquille meme. Have you seen that one? No. It's just, uh, what is it, Sisyphus? How do you say his name? Sisyphus. Yeah. He's got this boulder and he's doomed to carry this boulder up the hill. And every time he tries, it falls back down. And it's just like, you know, average Twitter user trying to understand per capita. <laughs> just keeps pushing, but it never, yeah. never gets into their head. Uh, the Shadow Band sends a $20 super chat and says, I'll call your Sir Stroming and raise you durian. The fruit that literally smells like a sewer. I've heard of that before. Yeah, I've heard of this. I'll write that down, see if we can get it up. We need to get Callum the worst foods on earth to try. I'm not going anywhere near these foods. It's terrible. Uh, John's like, yeah, I'll bring it in. Yeah, durian fruit. I'm pretty sure it's like a Middle Eastern thing, isn't it? That, that might explain, actually, the smell of Afghanistan, but <laughs> hold on to the issue. Furious Dan South says, Oh boy, my favorite Commonwealth pastime, foreign blood wars on our streets. Yeah. Omar says, the problem with cultural integration is it takes teaching a different mindset. You don't need to tell an Englishman not to answer the phone on public transport and, and carry an obnoxiously loud conversation. There's, almost, uh, there's an almost instinctual tendency not to impose yourself on others. It's like Japanese not littering. You don't need to ask them to do it because it's ingrained behavior. Same with the Germans, actually. Germans don't litter. I lived in Germany for eight years. They don't have public bins. They don't have rubbish on the streets. I never figured out what they do with the rubbish. I went to a McDonald's. Like, <laughs> I went to McDonald's, got a McDonald's, and I was like, what am I doing with the rubbish? And they were like, oh, I guess we'll take it. They didn't have any bins around. I don't know what the hell they did. The Germans eat it? I don't like, know. <laughs> I don't know. Eight years in Germany, I never found out the answer. <laughs> uh, it's like Hank Scorpio with the, the cream. Yeah, yeah, around, I guess. Like, it's just, just, I don't know. <laughs> so I found um, the Wikipedia thing. For yeah. the and I just want to read this section out from Wikipedia. The smell invokes reactions ranging from deep appreciation to intense disgust. Depends whether you're left or right, right? Yeah. The persistence of its odor may linger for several days and has led some hotels Jesus. and public transport services in Southeast Asia to ban the fruit. You can't even linger take your... For several days? Yeah, imagine, like, not only is your, your food banned from the library, you can't take it to the hotel. They'll be like, no, 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 no. Ruin the room. Jesus. Uh, Matt says, integration can't be meaningfully achieved without intermarriage, which itself limits the rate of integration due to the natural inclination for people to marry within their own group. Truly, integration isn't just difficult, there's a tragedy to it. One becomes a foreigner in their own lineage as their culture wanes and the host culture subsumes their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Most people never integrate, especially without force, because few people want their children to be so distinct from them. Probably true. I didn't do a good job of it, but one of the problems I wanted to get to with that Eritrean thing and the numbers at the end is that integrate into what exactly? Because like, if you don't have access to English people, how are you going to become English? Like you can't. Access to English people is not a human right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a fair point to make. But it's like if you sit at home and you're learning, oh, I don't know, um, Spanish. Like if you never go to Spain, like how are you going to become a Spaniard? Like you just, yeah, it's not going to happen. And imagine now you go to... I could set foot on Spanish soil. Yeah, and hang out in Benidorm. Yeah. Then what? Grow a goatee and a beard and a mustache. <laughs> Eat English breakfast every day and be like, yeah. oh, I love being Spanish, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not going to happen. EJ says, as a Finn, I'm going to commit the biggest racism towards Swedes and advocate for the banning of Surströmming. I can't pronounce it. Surströmming. Uh, shaming them for enjoying surstroming, and I will absolutely advocate for death penalty for anyone who dares bring surstroming anywhere near or speak about surstroming in a loving or caring way. <laughs> death to surstroming. I mean, I've never smelt it, but it can't be good, right? Told you, man. I'd wonder, John, if you could find one of the YouTube videos, just someone opening surstroming in the house, because the the videos of like Westerners, like Americans, buy it for a joke, and then they open it and they are physically sick. 
So I, I get smell. the feeling this is one of those things that you just don't understand in the abstract, right? Yeah. You, like, you, you don't know. You, know you, you, you get food and you're like, oh, wow, that smells quite bad. You put it in the fridge or something and you close the tub and you put it in the fridge and then you go about your day. Look at all these losers. They're like opening it outside because they know. And then there are a couple of idiots who open it inside and they're just like, I want to die. Oh, God. <laughs> I got it in his car. I ruined my car. 4.1 million views. Uh, I guess we'll skip to the, the bit. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Without audio, it's even better. What's happening? <laughs> oh, that's the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. <laughs> It's everywhere. Yo, it's everywhere. Oh, I cannot explain the smell with words. <coughs> it is everywhere. The best part is that's going to linger. Yeah. That's going to be there for days. It's like if you drop milk in your car and don't don't get rid of it. Yeah. Nasty. Richard said, it was just a local community group meeting. Local people will not be tolerated. Ignacio says, "What <laughs> with the Etrian uh, oh, right. <laughs> uh, Ignacio says, uh, "What kind of person decides to go to a library and have a meal?" Yeah, well, the sort of person who thinks the NHS is a restaurant. Um, library, <laughs> <laughs> the NHS is like TGI Fridays. Yeah, the NHS is against flavor. So, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. I might just put that as my like Twitter banner. <laughs> just the NHS against flavor. <laughs> Libraries are reading for reading the last time I checked. I'm noticing patterns that might have me reported for a hate crime. Sophie says, funny how I never had any problems eating a salad in the library. But if I brought in a roasted chicken, I'd probably be in trouble. It's hardly the most offensive thing you could bring, is it? Um, and Sophie says, well, I am ha- so happy these people got their independence. So now they can all go back to their homeland and create the paradise they so clearly wish to do. Yeah, that's another thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, I'm celebrating the independence of my country that I love so much. Hey, where are you doing that? Toronto? Why? You know, why Why wouldn't you be celebrating in your country? Ah, it's because it's poor and full of Eritreans. You don't understand. You don't live there. It is probably one of the worst places on earth. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, I found out recently a fact about Eritrea, which is just mental, yeah. which is that if you don't live in Eritrea, but you are an Eritrean ethnicity, by law, you're meant to send back, I think it's like, I think it's even 1% or 10% of your earnings, no matter where you are on earth. God damn it. Can you even imagine a government? I, could, I bet the conservatives are going to do well, it's the only country I can think of that does anything similar is the Fed. Because if you're American and you work in Britain, for example, you're meant to pay American taxes. On what? British taxes. Come and arrest me. Well, this is, yeah, most Americans do weird, like, stuff to avoid officially earning an income so they don't have to do this. But the Eritreans obviously just don't pay because what are you going to do? Sorry, what about my magic soil? I'm not an American anymore. I've set foot in Eritrea. But <laughs> <laughs> I just can't even imagine. Oh yeah, you left the country. Yeah, so you're paying you're paying taxes to the government you're in. Oh, yeah, yeah. You also owe some money. Like, like for what? You know, yeah. I'm not using your services. I'm not under your laws. Get Ben. I hate taxes so much. Anyway, Roman says, uh, "Loved your Starship Troopers video. Convinced me to read the book. I would only object that in the end, it's not a libertarian utopia like you stated, but a conservative utopia." The culture is very clear and firm, and it's transmitted to the next generation. Something I don't think a liberal or libertarian culture can do. Well. The point of libertarianism is to carve off an area of society that is outside of the state. So a charitable reading of liberalism, but only for 130 IQ Argentinians. (laughs) Basically, yeah. (laughs) What the, the, the charitable interpretation of libertarianism is that they would say, well, that's not our remit. So it would be conservative theoretically. Um, Why did they make him Argentinian? Because it was Filipino in the book, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he was Filipino. Um, did, did Paul the retard just want white people? In which case, why did he pick Argentina? I don't know, actually. Weird. Oh, uh, well, because of, um, um, you know, the boys. Pinochet. Not just him, but when they all escaped, where did they go? Oh, yeah. oh, right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you just set it in Germany, I guess? <laughs> yeah. the, the bugs have blown up Berlin. And... It's a good point. If he wants to. No, okay, okay. No, no one would be sympathetic. But the bugs blow Berlin and send the oh. thank you message. Box chocolates. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. You've got to choose a nice city somewhere else with Nazis. Um, <laughs> Mike says for the Starship Tube segment, I left this with Ridley Scott's 1979 film, Alien. The racist view of a cr- the racist crew of a spaceship hunt a mixed race child after being born of torrid interspecies love encounter in which the male mum was denied r- the uh, right to abortion. That is definitely a left wing interpretation of Alien. I might do that. What you're going to start making fake reviews? Yeah, left wing reviews. I mean, do it. I mean, it's literally it'll be good content. Literally mixed race trans species. No, no, literally an alien. They take the genetic uh, material of the host, which is why the dog alien in Alien 3 is kind of doggish. So, like, there, there is definitely a left-wing interpretation of Alien. Uh, and you are right, the, uh, the male mum, definitely the male mum, didn't get his abortion. He wanted one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so there's good... There's, I think there's uh, good, uh, good stuff to be found in... Uh, left-wing interpretations of alien sci-fi from the 80s. Remember when you made left-wing white nationalism? Yeah. I, don't know, I think we've spoken about this before publicly. Hmm. Like Carl had this theory. He was like, what if you take white nationalism but put it in intersectional language? You could do that. I don't want to do that because I don't want to create... How would you do that? Oh, um, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be known as the inventor of left-wing white nationalism. Um, but off Off camera. <laughs> Like, I've had him tell me a few times, I'm like, yeah, that would work. Like, it's kind of actually silly that Richard Spencer hasn't done it. but Yeah, but we're not going to do it because I don't want to be the person who invented it. But someone else invented it and then you'll make fun of it. Yeah. Uh, Alexander says, the only good bug is a dead bug. That's true. Uh, for all bugs. Always. In all times. 21st century Edwardian says, the whole Starship Troopers discourse on X was just a display of left-wing outgroup preference. Even liking humanity is too much for them. Yeah. Because they are the people who feel they've been most hurt by humanity, which is full of handsome, attractive people that are getting on with their lives. And then it's just the, um, you know, the Denethor meme where it's just him seething in the corner. That's what they are. Baron von Warhawk says, the real question is why the left is siding with the evil bugs that suck out people's brains and democracy launch uh, meteorites into civilization centers. Uh, It's not that they are mindless beasts. The book shows the bugs knew the city was no threat to its species, but they nuked it anyway just to kill as many humans as possible. Bugs know what they're doing. They're just assholes. Well, yeah, I mean, they're sort of going, well, look, the humans are fascists. But yeah, because they have elections. But how many elections do the bugs hold? The bugs are ultra-fascists. Like, there's no bug has got a life outside of the preordained life it was born into yeah. as a warrior or a servant or a brain bug or anything like that. It's like, yeah, not one leftist critique of this. Nothing against the state. Everything within the state. Yeah. Yeah, actually, perfectly put. Yes. It's the, the most fascist you could possibly be. It's a left, high point. Yeah, and the left are like, hey, I kind of like those bugs. Uh, Lance Enjoy says, leftists have a history of supporting anti-human genocidal powers. Well, that is true. Uh, Biggie Bigfoot says, I can remember when I watched Starship Tubes on VHS when I was nine years old for the first time. You were nine when you watched it. That's... Well, people watching porn when they were young. <laughs> well, 
Isn't there, there's a lot of tits. I remember being a lot of tits and arse. Yeah, there is. Well, no, there's only two scenes. But, so it's not that much. The shower scene and the sex end, scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's not that much. But it, like... There's a lot more getting killed. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, there's a lot more gore. Um, but, uh, but as far as I was concerned, it was the greatest film I'd ever seen in my life. That and Con Air. Uh, Con Air was all right. It's in Con Air. It's okay. Um, Matt says, they think preserving what you love is fascism. You have to be a spiteful mutant to want to destroy it all. Uh, Rudy Day says, the problem with the Boog murder game is all the Boog genocide you see. You, a dirty game of fascist, are eliminating a whole food group. <laughs> Climate shakes his fist at you weakly in the distance. Shame on you, Carl. Uh, yeah, no, I do, I do think it's just the, the bug men see themselves in the bugs, though. And the, uh, Another part of it is you are indiscriminately categorizing all the bugs as evil. And they hate that. They hate the lack of choice that you're giving to the bugs. But what if there's one good bug who's like, no, I like humanity. I don't like being a murderous living bug weapon. I don't want to kill. And that, that redeems the entire bug race as far as they're concerned. And it's not just, it's not that there is one. It's that there potentially is one. Yeah. And that's what they can't stand. It's like something being born into a thing and having no choice and you condemning it all. That's their problem. Okay. I don't know. Don't they just condemn white people? Yeah, but that's all well, humanity has to die. <laughs> yeah, but that's because humanity has been prejudicial towards the bug race, whereas the bugs have no prejudice whatsoever. No, nom 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 nom. Exactly. But it's but honestly, they, they it really does boil down to the fact that they hate the bugs are being just discriminated against for being bugs. Like they they really think you're racist towards the bugs. Should have been born a bug then. Sorry, mate. Yeah, no, you're not my problem. Um, Colin says, oh, it's true though. Reroll. <laughs> it's true. They, they literally can't stand that you'd be like, oh, we've got to get rid of every poisonous spider or something. Like, but the poisonous spiders, yeah, but some of them might be good. No. And there's about the wolves as well. Yeah. Reintroducing to England. You know about this? No. They want to bring the wolves back to England. It's like, why? Like, well, they used to live here. I was like, I don't care. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Yeah. What? Why would we want wolves running around in the countryside? Who's pushing this? Yes. NGOs and left. Bug sympathizers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Colin says, remember service guarantee citizenship as a Star Starship Troops fan. Uh, Carl has read either the moon has Carl read either the Moon as a House Mistress or the Forever War? You know, I actually haven't. Um, there's a lot that I would like to read. I just haven't had the time. Uh, Sam says, leftists bringing up media literacy is nothing but projection. Conservatives interacting with books, films, TV shows on superficial levels uh, is just further proof that they lack any sense of self-awareness whatsoever. Um, Arizona Desert Rat says it looks like a giant blood-filled tick to me which I'm sure was no coincidence when they were designing the brain bug right they're like okay we need to make this look disgusting so literally no one's going to sympathize with it and the leftists like oh I like him what the hell was going through Paul's head when he thought about okay I'll make the enemy utterly disgusting and I'll make the enemy in the wrong and, and that'll make humans... people root for fascism and therefore people will <laughs> Learn a lesson. I just love the idea. Like, I, I, just, <laughs> I tricked you into being fascist. Why? By making them good and pretty and you justified. That, you seen that meme where the guy walks in and he's like, "I'm retarded." He's like, "Oh yeah, you are." And he's like, "Look, I merely pretended to be retarded." Like, you didn't prove a point. But what I love like, about it is, is where he's like, I, "I wanted to make everyone think they're crazy." It's like, why would we think that? Like, well, just, I suppose I suppose he was talking to his constituents, which are, are the people who are online currently being like, "I love the bugs." I guess, but like, there's nothing irrational that humans do. Uh, Thomas says, uh, 
Service guarantee citizenship is still the answer to maximalist individualism and libertarian bros. God bless Heinlein. Uh, one of the chats like, what was going through his head? Bug noises. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin says, the $56 billion to these charities is $2 billion more than the government spends on defense. Jesus Christ. We gave up the empire for this. We're going to double the army. Double the aircraft carriers. Double the, the cruisers. Everything. If we just didn't give a crap about it. Only the NHS was a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you know how all the churches are being destroyed and turned into mosques or yeah. restaurants. I mean, to be fair, it would be a good vision of the future. The new Britain wants reform take over and institutes and reforms. That all of the NHS hospitals were converted into restaurants. Yeah, producing bland food. <laughs> <laughs> like we open all these other private hospitals to run the health service that's not retarded. But then there is just bland but incorporated or. Yeah. We'll just keep the NHS logos. In fact, the food is so not slop, each piece of food is segregated on one of those plastic uh, plates where it's got bit... You mean like those Japanese restaurants with the yeah, containers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so no, no piece of food touches another one. Okay. So it's bland, non-slop. Perfect. I love it. You're just as much as a money... Anglo-futurism. <laughs> Every English person will eat that. Jeremy Clarkson will promote it. <laughs> I must say. Oh, no, sorry. Arizona Desert Rat says, hmm, the article title makes it look like the government is paying lobbyist groups. Is that even legal? Uh, yes, and they made it legal and they're paying for it. I mean, that's literally all true, isn't it? Yeah. They literally made it legal. They literally paid for it. And they're literally... in the, the, What's the, the, the meme of the guy like being like, oh, no, oh, no. And it's just like you're the one holding the, the jail cell or whatever. Like you're doing this to yourselves. Omar says, if you circumvent their bureaucracy, they don't get a cut of their grift. If uh, See also the backlash to Mr. Beast digging whales or curing blindness. A system is what a system does. The system doesn't fix the problem. The purpose of the system is to perpetuate it. I mean, it looks like that's true. Like The purpose of the system is to give the grifting N NGO complex loads of money, and that's it. What do you make of the conservatives in the sense that they're always sitting there? I mean, this this time around, <laughs> the best thing ever. They're always sitting there and being like, man, the country's gone down the tubes, huh? Anyway, re-elect us. That's just like, I'm serious? I don't get why they don't address the actual issues, though, because it is like a structural issue in terms of like the Equality Act or the charities or the civil service. Like They sort of touch on the civil service, hmm. but it, it doesn't really go into the depth of it. Like I think people would rally behind that rather than the Conservative Party just being very cowardly over us and not giving actual reasons why. But it's on everything, isn't it? Because you've got, like, you got this stuff on um, healthcare, defence. Immigration. Immigration, the economy. Just pick a subject. And they will sit there and be like, man, the system's being destroyed. I, I honestly don't get why they don't speak about it. Maybe because it, it's bad optics to say we're against charities, I guess. But they don't have to be like we're against charities. They could be like we're against communism. And also as well, I feel like there has become a market for people to just be political commentators rather than activists. Like the GB yeah, News. They're, the, they're in government. Well, it's like how many um, Conservative Party um, MPs want to have a spot on GB News nowadays? Like they're more focused on becoming commentators and just simply talking the talk, but they don't walk the walk, do they? Someone yeah. should do something about this. Yeah, it was like Sula Ravman at NatCon. It's like, you are in charge, do something about it. And again, if they actually told us what the actual issue is, I think the public would have more sympathy. And if they actually rallied behind the issue, 
I think people would understand more, but unfortunately they don't. And they just blame these things that really um, are kind of like out of their control almost or, or something that's going to need a massive political push. Mm like the ECHR, whereas it's just like, for one, why don't we just ignore the ECHR? Yeah, well, they can do send an army. Yeah. And also, again, like the institutional things, why don't they just get rid of it? They have a majority. They're in power. They've been in power for a long time. Why don't they just do it? So many valid questions that we'll <laughs> never get an answer to. I mean, I, I'm at the point where I think the Conservative Party just wants to die, actually. I think they're just really, like, it's this old bloated thing that just can't be bothered to crawl anymore. It's just like, no, I'm just going to lay here and die. Yeah, let Keir Starmer take over. I don't care. We're just turning up to kick it, being like, fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. Like, I, I just think that the Conservative Party is just out of energy in all ways. Um, the Crusader says, uh, Brian Nemia, an American sci-fi author who does a lot of giant robot stuff, wrote a book called Don't Give Money to People Who Hate You. You would do well to heed his advice. I've never heard of that. Um, Matt says, the first two rules of politics, fund your friends, defund your enemies. Everyone does this. The Tories are doing this. They want the Rwanda bill to fail. They want as many people as possible via in via whichever route possible. If they were our friends, they'd fund us and they're funding them. And how's he wrong? I mean, they literally give foreigners our money. Do what? Live in this country at our expense. I mean, you saw the thing where they're like sending letters to old people saying you have to sell your house to us so we can give it to foreigners. It's like, okay. So we are under a foreign occupation, right? Hadji occupied government. You know about my get-out plan? Sorry, I think that maybe thought both of you. I got my get-out plan. My get-out plan is to go to Copeland, which is a sincere real place in England. Oh, yeah. And Copeland, the reason it's nice is because the house prices there haven't moved since the 1990s. So if you could just buy a house, like a normal person, yeah. and it's not 300 bloody pounds on average. And... um. I don't know which one of you bastards at the Conservative Party was listening, but someone heard this, it seems. And then they've diversified it. They've purchased (sighs) loads of the houses up there because they cost nothing. And the whole purpose is so they can put migrants in there to get them away from the South. Now, thankfully, the the good people of Copeland have risen up and they've gone down and they've trashed all of these empty houses and spray-painted scum over them. So now there's this big police inquiry. It's like, oh my God, how did people do this? (laughs) <laughs> and the locals are just like, I don't know. Didn't with, see anything, Governor. Some spray cans, actually. I mean, yeah. Yeah. God so, damn it. Even, even, the, even the last plan you could have to get the hell away from all this, they're just like, what if I ruin that? Yeah. Asher says, I'm trying to settle the debate. What is a right? A right is something that you are principally uh, morally and physically capable of accomplishing. So it's something you were entitled to, basically. Um, on that note. Oh, we out of time. We're out of time. Oh, sorry. It's a, a long thing. But this is the thing about <laughs> the, this is the, thing, the question about human so rights. Guess. What's it? What's it grounded on? And the answer is um, my feelings, actually. But a, a, the concept of a right is fairly robust. You can have rights to things, as in you were entitled to things, and the system will protect your entitlement to these things. Um, but it's not objective, and that's the question. Anyway. All right. Where would people find more of you? I suppose you mentioned but... Twitter, mostly. Jess Gill on Twitter, so do go and check that out. Otherwise, um, bye.